Hey guys, Nick Burnett here. Just wanted to kind of give some information on why I joined the Patreon, why I'm part of the Dynasty Warzone uh, team. Downloaded the Dynasty Warzone podcast. It took one day to join the Patreon. Reached out to Memphis about a situation with one of my rosters. And the kind of feedback I got was, hey Nick, why don't you give me a call? Uh, we went down my roster and he helped me pull off a couple moves that put me ahead when I thought I was going to be in re- rebuild mode this year. And that's just part of what comes with the Patreon. Uh, just tr- uh, trade talks, just good interaction with guys that love fantasy football. Uh, whether it's 10 o'clock at night or 3 o'clock in the morning, there's always going to be fantasy football talk, whether it's redraft, whether it's dynasty. I joined a couple leagues with the Patreon members, and it's the same thing. Even in, even while we're drafting, we're still shooting ideas at each other. And if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of, pause the podcast now, join the Patreon, and join a, join a great fantasy football group, but more like a fantasy football family. What's happening, everybody? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. I am your host. I am Memphis. You can follow along with me on Twitter at DWZ Memphis. And uh, man, we got a great guest tonight. We've got Mark Schofield of Touchdown Wire. You might know him from work with Matt Waldman uh, on Twitter. He is a Mandalorian aficionado. We'll, we'll get into Mark here in just a second, but I'll tell you what, this next guy, he, he's got a moniker himself. He is the man of the hour and he is the man with the power. He is Jerry Sinclair. Jerry, what is up, man? How was your new year? It was good. Uh, I did a whole bunch of nothing. I almost didn't make it to the new year. I fell asleep on the chair for a little bit, had to get a couple nudges from the wife to wake up, but... It was good, and I'm excited for the show because I had to work last year, so I missed Mark. Uh, not this year. Not this time. Nothing holding you, me back from this one. You know, normally nudges from the wife when you're a sleeper a good thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll file that under. Hey, now. Zing. So we're going to keep this intro short. You know, that's been one of our New Year's resolutions on the show. That came up in a review a while back. Yeah. And uh, speaking of reviews, man, five stars. We would love you to drop us one. We are literally, literally four away from 200. Now, that's across all platforms. Uh, we would love to get to 200 as quick as possible. So if you're listening via podcast, just hit pause. Go into your pod subscription thing, and, and you can leave us a five-star. Obviously, iTunes go a long way toward generating that algorithm for you math lovers out there. But no matter where you're listening, if it has a review function, hook us up with a five-star. It's 100% the freest way for everybody to help Jerry and I grow the Dynasty Warzone football network. And uh, I can't read one if you don't write one. So I don't have one to read, but I do have a little something to promote, Jerry. I got a couple of minutes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, always. Our boy, our redraft brother, Kyle August at Kyle FF Fellas. He is hosting his annual, and I've been in this, I think, three, if not four years in a row with him and his former co host, Seth. If you go to at Kyle FF Fellas, you can see the $10 playoff tournament. This is a lot of fun. So we have more teams this year. This year we have 14 teams to start. And there, Jerry, there's some strategy in there now because. You know, you can only use each player once. 
So you're not going to be using a lot of those Packers or, or, or Chiefs. You know, you know, you got to ask yourself, do I save Josh Allen? Do I want to use him in round one? You know, maybe, maybe I'm going to use Uncle Phil because Uncle Phil's going to be one and done. I damn sure can't use Baker because he don't have a head coach or an offensive line. But there is some great st- strategy, Jerry. I know last year you were in there. Two years ago, I finished in the top ten in this thing. Uh, good times, right? Always good times. And listen, it's fun to shit the bed, which is exactly what I'm certainly going to do in that situation. Because I, whoever I will pick will almost certainly struggle. And then I will be left with nothing the rest of the way. Because that's what that's what happens. All right. So I want to tell you guys real quick. So to, to minimize the promoting, make sure you check out my boy Kyle at Kyle FF fellas. And I will retweet that if you're following along with me. Just click the hyperlink. It'll just take you a couple of minutes. It's hosted on MFL and it is a lot of fun. And uh, you're playing for a couple of bucks. And just real quick. So what was in the rear view this past Monday? Um, we did mock draft Monday with our boys. Tyler O and Lou Dog from the Fantasy Hot Read. Jerry, do I have a quick second for a Memphis rant? I know we're trying to keep this short, but I got a small rant. <laughs> no, let me just sit back. Oh yeah. Take it All away. Right. All right. So so we we had to do the we had to do the mock draft Monday on Sunday night. And Lou and Tyler, their specialty is redraft and DFS. They're going to start helping us with some DFS content because if you listen to me and Dr. Kyle on the big bet, you'll know we're really damn good at min caching. Let's get Lou in there. Dude, Lou last weekend was telling people to put Marvin Jones in your lineup. Dude, that was a slam dunk. So a man or woman who knows what they don't know knows a lot. And I know I suck at, at DFS. So we're bringing Lou and Tyler on to help us. They're going to do a couple of spots for us here during the playoffs. And then you'll see a lot more on them. But but the reason for this rant is that I saw in the comments on YouTube about Lou made an interesting pick. Get Guys, Lou and Tyler were cramming for this exam. They jumped on to help us. Normally, we do mock draft Monday on, wait, wait for it, Monday. But we couldn't because on Monday, we were doing our Patreon championship wrap-up tailgate. That's where we fired up the Zoom call and we had a bunch of Patreons jump on with me and we fellowshipped and we talked about what happened in season and we made fun of Jerry because he didn't even get a second place in a, in a patron league. So we made sure to make fun of him. But anyway, we had to have Lou and Tyler help us out because other people were watching bad football on Sunday night. They were watching the Eagles tank for lack of a better term against Washington so Lou and and Tyler were helping us out so yes there was an interesting pick but it was a running back and it was in the first round and the guy did just go bananas so be easy all right but speaking of mock draft Monday Jerry you know what we're doing on mock draft Monday this Monday what are we doing we're gonna mock draft rookie wide receivers and you may say but but Memphis there's there's not that many to do 12 rookies right Mm-hmm. You would be correct, Jerry, but that's where you're wrong because we're going to draft wide receivers with two years or less experience. So we're going to put the wide, we're going to put the wide receivers from the 2019 class, the 2020 class, and this upcoming class all in the pot. And then we're going to draft one through 12. So you tell me you're a Jamar Chase fan. Let's see how much you like Jamar Chase when you have to choose between him and say DK Metcalf. You tell me you love Devonta Smith. Cool. Let's see how much you love Devonta Smith when you have to choose between him and A.J. Brown or Terry McLaren or Justin Jefferson or C.D. Lamb. 
And then next Wednesday on this very Dynasty War Zone, we're going to be talking about our staff rankings of wide receivers. You see how we're going to transition from wide receiver, wide receiver. And then the following three weeks, we're going to hit running backs, tight ends, and quarterbacks. So we've got a lot of rookie content for you. We've got a lot of guests for you. We've got a lot of Dynasty content for you. So stick around. Make sure you're subscribed. Notifications on on YouTube and subscribed everywhere you get podcasts. Me and Dr. Kyle will be here tomorrow night on YouTube and Thursday in your podcast player doing some big bets. So don't sleep on us here at the DWZ Football Network, gang. We're going to be rocking three to five shows a week in the offseason. If you need us and you're not on social media, DynastyWarzone at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at DWZ Memphis. Jerry, you are at? Jerry Sin, DWZ. So, all right, real quick before we get Mark, one last, one small, quick last bit of promotion, the Patreon. Jerry, literally, I was like shuffling them in. It was like a cattle car today. I was just wheeling them in and dropping them off. Hey, meet so-and-so. It's I been- had to, I had to, I had to bunch them up a couple times for my, my hello gif. That's proprietary information of the Dynasty Warzone. We have lawyers. <laughs> Our guest tonight's a lawyer. So, so be real easy when you, when you think about doing what we're doing, but I could not be prouder of our Patreons. We do a lot of fun stuff. I personally think it's the best value in uh, premium content on, on as it relates to fantasy football. We have now since splintered off into a gambling channel. We have the dynasty channel, uh, and, and we have a lot and, and nothing's changed. The price hasn't changed. Nothing's went up. Uh, it's still five bucks a month, not as expensive as you may think. If you can g- give up one, my wife drinks these expensive mocha choca, frappuccino, sugar-free syrup, bullshit drinks. If if you can just forego one of those and you can knock back one McDonald's coffee on a Tuesday or Wednesday morning, you will have more than enough scratch left over to become a Patreon once a month with the gang here at the DWZ. So if you're interested head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone, and, and, and put us to the test. See, see if we really are as hype as we uh, we go, because now I don't only have one group chat blowing up my phone with uh, 100 <laughs> messages in a day talking about Dynasty, Fantasy, Football, and Rookies. I've got two, because I've got the one talking about rookies and the one talking about prop bets. So that's enough promotion. We kept it within 10 minutes. Mark. You reviewer, we're, we're doing our part. But uh, speaking of guys named Mark, let's go get Mark Schofield, Jerry, and uh, talk about six quarterbacks that could be on our dynasty rosters in, say, about four months. Listen, if we're going to try and win next year, they're definitely going to be on our roster. Let's talk to them. Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZ ring. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season. 
All right, and here he is. Let's bring on tonight's guest. Tonight's guest is Mark Schofield. Mark is a writer and content provider for touchdownwire.usatoday.com. He is an experienced insurance attorney. Always good to have uh, friends who are uh, attorneys. And he is not a washed-up QB, but he is a never-was QB. You can find this man on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Mark, how are you? And welcome back, man. Thanks for jumping on again. Oh, thanks for having me back. Um, I, I will say this. You, you say that it's good to know friends that are lawyers. Um, if you need a lawyer, don't come to me. You'll need a better lawyer than me. Um, same thing for you- quarterbacks, really. Like, If you're looking for somebody that can play quarterback, Look elsewhere, because like I said, I was a never was. I wasn't a washed up. I was a never was quarterback. But guys, it's great to be back. Um, excited to talk about these quarterbacks that were actually that are actually good at what they do. I'm excited to talk to you because last year when you came on with and covered quarterbacks with me, Jerry had to work his real job that particular day. So it was just you and I, but we got Jerry with us this time. Before we get into the rookies, I do have a question for you as you are our quarterback whisperer. So uh, a guy not too far from you named Josh Allen, a division rival. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see Mark's Patriots banner in the background. But what do you think we're going to see as dynasty owners, fantasy players, and even in the real NFL, now that we've seen the success of a guy like Josh Allen, the maturation from year two to year three, what are we going to see for maybe guys like, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, Daniel Jones, um, and what are the what are we going to do? What's NFL teams going to do with you know more like prospects type quarterbacks like a Kyle Trask, like a like a Trey Lance? W- what has this done with this impressive turnaround for Josh Allen? Are we going to see in the uh, NFL in the future? Yeah, it's a fascinating question, and I think it is an important one because you know we all know that the NFL tends to be a copycat league. And when you see something work for one team, you're going to try to bring that to your organization. Recently, it was. You know, sort of that Sean McVay, Jared Goff model of if you've got a young quarterback, get an offensive-minded head coach, try to develop around him, scheme that guy up and have success with him. And you saw that sort of play out with teams like Chicago when they drafted Mitchell Trubisky. They then went out and got Matt Nagy to sort of coach him up. So I do think teams will try to take some lessons from this Josh Allen development that we saw this year because he's playing at an MVP level. I think, you know, the two things that will probably happen – One, you might see teams have a bit more patience with young quarterbacks. You know, you're seeing right now in Miami, there's a bit of a groundswell of, well, they're sitting at three. Maybe they draft one of these guys that we're going to talk about tonight because they're not sure about Tua. They're not sure about him from an athletic profile, from a production standpoint this year. I would hope the teams would have more patience because of what they saw with Josh Allen. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And the other thing that I think we will see – is teams give these sort of athletic, big-armed quarterbacks like Josh Allen was coming out a, a second look. There are a lot of people, and I would put myself in this category because I am graded QB5 that draft class, but the thought, you know, he was going to need the absolute ideal setting to pan out, but I'm, I'm not so sure that this is really going to work. When you have upper-tier athleticism and an absolute elite arm, when you have elite traits that matter at the position – you're going to have a better shot at sticking, particularly if the team has patience like the Bills did with Josh Allen. And so guys like Lance, guys like Trask, some of these other guys that we're going to talk about that have some elite traits. I mean, I think the guys in this group all have pretty good arms. Um, You might see teams sort of circle back and say, well, you know, maybe we didn't value arm talent or athleticism as high in the past, but seeing as how it worked for Buffalo Allen, perhaps we can replicate that here with this guy in our system. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see it. The, the fear is, is that there could be some overcompensating, uh, especially for us that are doing this from a dynasty league fantasy football scenario that I don't want to see anyone overextend and, and maybe pay what we think we can get a guy to prices as opposed to what he, what he currently is doing. So just a question I wanted to ask you, you are our QB guy. So we're going to ask you five questions about each of these six QBs. Uh, some of them we know real well. Some of them, you know, we'll, we'll need more of an introduction. Uh, the first guy I have on my list is Trevor Lawrence. Um, we all know who he is, so we'll skip that question. What does Trevor Lawrence do well? So from what you – obviously we've heard he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck, who was the best prospect since John Elway. What does Trevor Lawrence do really well at the college level? Well, I think from where I sit, the first thing that jumps out is scheme diversity. You know, when you start thinking about quarterbacks and landed spots and what's going to be a good system and environment for them, Lawrence fits in almost any offense. He fits in almost any system. When, when I watch him, I see a quarterback that can run, say, a downfield pass and attack. I see a quarterback that can run a more West Coast air raid type of offense. I did a show with Matt Waldman last summer. We were talking about Lawrence, and he said – I can picture him in Baltimore replacing Lamar Jackson. He's that athletic. He's that good of a runner. You know, when you start thinking about, you know, where's a guy going to land? What's going to be the best spot to maximize his potential? It's almost limitless for him. He could go to almost any different system, any different team and have success. You know, we're still waiting. We know we expect to be drafted first by Jacksonville. We're waiting to see who the head coach and offensive coordinator will be down there. But in a sense, it almost doesn't matter. You know, if we were talking about one of these other quarterbacks, and we were unsure of, you know, maybe they would go first overall, but we're not sure who the coaching staff is going to be around them. You might be a bit more reluctant, but with Lawrence, you can be pretty sure that wherever, you know, whoever ends up down in Jacksonville, whoever his offensive coordinator is going to be, whatever the system is going to be around him, he's going to be okay to run that system. So I think that scheme diversity is one of the things that really, you know, puts him above the other guys in this class. Do you see anything that hinders his game, or is it just the possibility of playing in Jacksonville? Is it, it, it with the the rock solid prospect that he has been for so long? It seems like that's sort of the biggest thing. Well, I do think that there are some things that might hinder him a bit beyond the generational talent, best sense of luck sort of baggage that will come with that. Would you watch him? You know, you watch him against Ohio State, and he was under pressure a lot in that game, but you saw moments where he's hesitant, where you see him hitching on routes, you see him sort of unsure of what he's doing, unsure of what he's reading, unsure of what he's seeing with his eyes. You know, that creeps up from now and from down to time. And, you know, you see it once, you put it aside. When you see it a couple of times over different games, you start to think, okay, well, could it be that he's just ahead of the other guys? Like, you know, that sometimes happens with quarterbacks where they're already advanced mentally where they want to throw the ball, but it's just too early because the guy hasn't made the break or whatever reason. So that could be part of it, um, and that's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on as I go back through his film this season for the third time. Um, but for the most part, look, I, I think the expectations are high for a reason. He's a very good quarterback. He's been on this path towards being the first overall pick for a long time. Zach Wilson – Trevor Long, I mean, Justin Fields, they're both very good quarterbacks. You know, the the six guys we're going to talk about, I could see a case where all of them going in the first round, but I still think that schematic diversity, the fact that he could fit in almost any offense, are there things to worry about? Yeah. Is he perfect? No, you're never going to find a perfect prospect, but he's probably as clean as it gets in the time I've been evaluating quarterbacks. Well, the good thing is we don't have to ask you whose job he takes or, or what system he fits in in the NFL like we're going to 
with some of these other guys. I will say as an Indianapolis Colts fan and a guy who lives in the Indianapolis area, when Andrew Luck showed up, it was basically a past his prime Reggie Wayne and they drafted T.Y. Hilton and I forgot, oh, Colby, um, the, the tight end who came Colby with Fleener. him. Yeah. Colby Fleener. Thank you. Uh, so the cupboard was fairly bare when Andrew Luck arrived and in Jacksonville, you know, that's an improving offensive line. They've got DJ Chark. They've got LaVisca Chenault. They've got a couple of serviceable journeyman, you know, wide receivers there in Keelan Cole. And I'm drawing a blank on the, um, the other uh, Robinson, but then you've got Jerry's boy, James Robinson in the backfield. So he's going to show up with uh, hopefully a good head coach. Maybe it's Urban Meyer. Maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. Could be a lot of guys, but if you're in a super flex league and you have the 101, this is as slam dunk as we've had since the Saquon Barkley 101 in 2018. So we won't spend any more time in in, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, talking Trevor Lawrence because we kind of know the deal. Uh, We're going to move to the guy who's playing on Monday night in the national championship game uh, on one side, and that's Justin Fields coming off of an absolutely fantastic game for the Buckeyes. Who is Justin Fields, Mark? Well, Fields is an interesting quarterback because – he, I think, has the potential to sort of break that mold of Ohio State quarterbacks. You're seeing it now, particularly with the Dwayne Haskins, you know, saga unfold over the past couple of weeks in Washington. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about has Ohio State ever turned out a good quarterback prospect? Maybe if you count Joe Burrow, who transferred from Ohio State. But I think Fields has the potential to sort of break that streak because he's an athletic quarterback, and that's, I think, almost a prerequisite. In today's NFL, you need to have some athleticism. It doesn't have to be a super athlete, but he's athletic enough where you can count on him to make you know mistakes go away if there's a breakdown in front of him. You can use him as a weapon in the run game. And so I think he has that. He has elite arm talent. If you watch that game against Clemson, some of the throws he made in that game were very impressive. You know, splitting defenders, tight window throws, throwing against leverage defenders in the secondary – which I think is something the quarterbacks also have to have coming out. Justin Herbert's a great example of that. And I think the other thing that Justin Fields has shown is development. You know, one of the questions I had about him coming into this season, you know, and a lot of them stemmed from that game against Clemson, you know, two, you know, last season, not this current season, was that he would get to the right answer on a play, we would get to the right read and make the right decision and the right throw, but it would take longer than it should. And it would cost, you know, Ohio State some moments, some opportunities, some potential touchdowns. He showed over the course of the season, and particularly against that same defensive concepts um, against Clemson, you know, last Friday night, an ability to speed that up, an ability to make faster reads and decisions, which is a great sign if you start projecting him to an NFL team and thinking about having to coach him up. And so I think he certainly has the potential to go second overall in the draft to New York if they decide to go quarterback. Maybe they go Zach Wilson. You know, we're going to talk about him in a second. But I do think that this kid has the potential to break that Ohio State mold because he's not like some of those other guys that can't afford him, the more stationary battleship-type quarterbacks. This guy's a dynamic athlete. And so I'm very excited about his potential in the, in the NFL. And, Mark, if you're going to notice anything about this podcast, I am an eternal pessimist as a Detroit Lions fan, so I'm going to be the one asking about the things that are wrong with everybody. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know, it, he had several multi-interception games. I'm I'm in Big Ten country, so we are forced to watch Ohio State. Uh, right. I know the Indiana game, and I believe it was the Northwestern game he did. What is that something that's endemic with him, or is that just 
you think that just that just happened? Well, uh, think, what, you know, what is the big flaw with him? Right, it's if a good question, Jerry. There are flaw, there are certainly flaws. There are certainly things that will cause you gives you gives you some pause. Um, you know, those were two pretty good defenses, Indiana Northwestern this year. Um, in the Northwestern game, he was missing Olave, his favorite target, the wide receiver who was back for the Clemson game. But in that Northwestern game in particular, you saw some of that hesitation creep back in. When I was watching it live, and then when I went back and rewatched it, the, the coach's film of it, you know, you saw him hesitant. You saw him not trust in his eyes. You saw him, you know, double clutch on throws. You saw him slow with his reads again. And I was getting that same sense watching it and then rewatching it as I was when I watched that Clemson game from, you know, two, a season ago, which is he's not fast enough with his mind. You know, he's not quick enough with his decisions. This is going to be a problem. And so if, if the big thing on fields is which guy are you going to get? The guy that you saw against Northwestern or the guy you saw against Clemson just, you know, a week ago. If you get the guy you saw against Clemson a week ago, you're going to be happy with what you get. But it's when that other guy, that other version of Justin Fields creeps in when you start to see the struggles. What uh, what what do you think is closer for him? I, I mean, the Clemson game was just – that's just silly. So the Clemson we're not game say that, but. out, and, you know, it, what was amazing about that was given that he had just come off that Big Ten championship game, most of football Twitter suddenly went from is Justin Fields quarterback four in this class to yeah. maybe Justin Fields is QB one after all. Like, it, we all do it. We get caught up in the moment. You know, scouting quarterbacks is tough enough. We all get it wrong. You know, we're all bad at it. But – to do it live and overreact like we did, you know, in the moment, I, I think, you know, we kind of, you know, went overboard in the other direction. You know, Jerry, I, I think he's closer to the potential of the Clemson game, even though that was really outlandish. Yeah. Uh, because I, I think the, the Northwestern game from what Northwestern, the Wildcats did to him conceptually, as well as missing his favorite receiver, I think that, you know, hampered him somewhat. Um, I, I think you're never going to get six touchdowns all the time from him. But I think the crisper decision-making, the velocity, the placement, like that's the quarterback he can be, even if he's not throwing six touchdowns in a game. All right, so I'm going to hit you with a two-parter before we go on to our next QB. What NFL system or head coach do you think he fits best in? And then where do you think he'll land? I'm looking at the top ten of the draft. you got Jacksonville, the Jets, Miami's there at three, Atlanta, Cincy, Philadelphia, Detroit, Carolina. Where do you think he lands, and then I will determine on whose job he will take. Yeah, and in terms of a system for him, I do think sort of like the the modern, you know, spread based, RPO reliant, but you mix in sort of those downfield concepts. Like if you think about what Justin Herbert ran this past year, where you work in some downfield shot plays, you work in some vertical stuff off of RPO action or play action, and you also allow him to use his legs as a weapon. Um, I think that's the kind of offense that would be best. Um, if, if you're thinking about taking him and dropping him into a Kyle Shanahan, you're lining up under center. We're running 21 personnel. You're going to run, run fakes with your back to the defense, you know, 20 times a game. That's not his best environment. He might get there. That might be something he can run eventually, but I don't think that's really for him. Um, in terms of his landing spot, I, I really think New Yorker too makes a lot of sense. If they go with Biennemi, if they go with Dable, um, either one of those guys I think would be a good coach for him. Um, particularly, look, Dable, you've seen with these general Josh Allen. Biennemi, you know, I think he's a very forward thinker who, that will use a lot of modern offensive concepts like you've seen from Kansas City. So I think both of those guys would be great. In terms of a potential bad landing spot, 
a lot of it is kind of up in the air, I think, because of, you know, coaching movement. Um, but when you look at, say, Atlanta at four, uh, we don't know which direction they're going to go in. You know, if they, you know, go with Raheem Morris or they go with another defensive-minded coach, if they bring Matt Ryan back, that might be a situation where you not, might not get returns on him, you know, that quickly because if he's going to be stuck behind a Matt Ryan for a season or two, you know, who knows how quickly he sees the field. Hmm. Great points all around. Okay, I was, we were going to go to a, a different quarterback, but I'm, I'm going to shuffle the deck. Let's talk about the guy Justin Fields is going to play in the national championship game. A guy that I've seen as high in mock drafts as 31 overall, potentially going to the New Orleans Saints. And I've seen as low as going 45 to the to your team, the, the New England Patriots. Let's talk about Mac Jones from Alabama. Who is Mac Jones? I mean, I think what you're getting in Mac Jones is, and I've seen this comparison a lot, and I do think in some ways it makes some sense. You're getting Joe Burrow light. You know, you're getting somebody that had that sort of rise as Joe Burrow did a year ago. Mac Jones obviously didn't see a ton of time last year. Came in late in the season when Tua was really sidelined. Um, you're getting a quarterback that you know does some of the things you want from an NFL perspective in terms of working through reads, working through progressions. You know, running the you know, modernized RPO kind of offense. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian spent some time in the NFL. You know, there were a lot of similarities to what Alabama runs to what you'll see in, you know, NFL playbooks today. So you're getting some of that stuff. He also had some of that under center play action experience that you like to see. He moves well enough. Obviously not a super athlete, but the footwork is good. The pocket mobility and pocket awareness, those are both good traits of his. And you're getting somebody that's a pretty accurate quarterback. And accuracy is one of those things that, you know, you can't really teach it. You either kind of have it or you don't, you know, and outside of Josh Allen and some of his completion percentage numbers, it's hard to see quarterbacks that have struggled with accuracy and completion percentage suddenly figure that out as they get to the NFL when the game is faster and the athletes are better and the windows are smaller. And so Mac Jones is a guy that I think, you know, there's a reason, guys, you're seeing him mock to New England because beyond the Belichick-Saban connection, he does seem to be that sort of, Brady-esque type of quarterback that we've come to associate with New England, obviously this year being a bit of an exception. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that are excited about Mac Jones. There are a lot of people that are looking at the numbers that Burrow had last year at LSU and the numbers that Mac Jones put up this year, being a Heisman finalist and saying, if one guy went first overall, this guy's at least going to be a first rounder. And so I do think that there's a chance if we see a fifth quarterback, you know, it's rare to see six. I can't remember the last time we did. Um, but if we do see a fifth, Mac Jones would probably be the guy. All right. So what does he do well? What got him to the Heisman virtual stage in this COVID year? What got him, what got him there? I think a lot of it is the production, obviously. But I think the accuracy is what got him there. The ability to put throws where they need to be. And let's remember, there's a difference between sort of just completion percentage and ball placement, accuracy versus ball placement. Because, you know, you could be an accurate quarterback, but if your receiver's having to make adjustments if they're having to like, you know, work back to a throw or if they're not getting yards after the catch and it's because of poor placement, you're not doing your job as a quarterback. Jones goes that extra distance where, you know, if the throw has to be to the left shoulder, he's going to put it to the left shoulder. If the throw has to be in the right hip. That's where he's going to put it. He's very accurate quarterback to short, intermediate, and even down the field. And I think that's probably his strength as a passer. And so that leads to production. That leads to yardage after the catch. When you have the ability and certainly look, Waddle, Smith, who just won the Heisman tonight, when you have guys like that to throw to, it's going to help. But when you have the ability to put the slant route where it needs to be and put your receiver to chance to make a five-yard throw and make it a 35-yard gain, 
you're doing your job as a quarterback. And I think that's an area where Jones really does some of his best work. And if you were going to pinpoint one of his worst things, because if you're going to look at his stats and his production in the season, I, I, I can't look at something and say, okay, he struggled in this game, which guess what? I am not a QB scout. That's why we brought you on my friend. Right. So let me just right. pick your brain. What, what, what is, what is lacking? What's going to cause him to not be in this conversation at QB two. And you know, the narrative has sort of been, he's been down on the lower end of this spectrum. I, I think what sort of holds him back from being in that sort of big four tier, you know, the quarterbacks are commonly associated with that first 15 picks or so of this draft is the arm. The arm is good. It's not elite. And you've seen it cost him in situations where you look at some of the tight window throws that he's asked to make. Those are a bit of a struggle for him. Those are a bit of a more of a roller coaster. And even Joe Burrow, who doesn't have an elite arm, you saw from him with his experience and his footwork and his mental approach to the game where he knew if he was going to face a tight window throw, the ball was coming out quicker than you would expect. He would anticipate those windows better. Jones can get there. It might just be a function of Burroughs had more time as a starting quarterback college. You know, last year wasn't his first year as a starter. And so, you know, some of those reads and throws, he was like, okay, I know I've got to get this ball out now. I know I've got to, I see this coverage. This is the route I want to throw. I'm going to cut my drop short. I'm going to do something different to get this ball out on time or get it out early, even to make that tight window throw a bit easier. I think that's something Jones is still learning. He can get there, but I think that's something that you want to sort of, Keep in the back of your mind if you start thinking about, you know, Mac Jones as a prospect and something that might hold them back. It's that, you know, up and down performance and tighter window throws that is something to be concerned about. All right. And I'm going to hit you with that, that, that famous two-parter. What NFL system does he fit best in? And where do you think he'll land in the draft? We kind of already hinted at a couple of spots. Yeah, I mean, I think there are two kind of offenses that he fits well. I think one is sort of that Shanahan, you know, 21 personnel, a lot of play action, scheme some stuff up, get the tight ends and the running backs involved. And in a similar vein, the traditional New England Brady, you know, Eric Perkins, you know, you're kind of working the ball down the field, a lot of short intermediate throws with some designated shot plays here and there. I, I think those are two offenses where he'd be at his best. And so that leads me to the landing spots. You know, I think New England, I think San Francisco would be ideal for him. A name that a, a team that wouldn't surprise me would be Washington. Um, he kind of screams like Ron Rivera, conservative minded, you know, defensive minded head coach. You want a quarterback that's going to, you know, not do crazy things, not turn the ball over. And so that might be a situation to watch as well. Um, and, and their offense certainly has some of those elements working for under Scott Turner. So those would be some landed spots where if he ends up there, you know, I'd be kind of excited about his potential in the NFL. I, I love that. And it feels like not that they're the same kind of quarterback, but the situation can be very similar where a team around pick 31, 32 trades back into the first round to make him that potential fifth or sixth yeah. QB in the first round so that a team can have that leverage of the fifth year option on a round one pick. And uh, that gives them up to six years with a with a franchise tag. So I'm going to give Jerry and I'm going to give Mark a second to grab a sip of water or whatever. As I tell you that this third segment is brought to you by our friends at Viridian Global. Viridian Global is the official apparel provider of the Dynasty Warzone. If you're watching live on YouTube or via Periscope on Twitter, you will notice my man Jerry is wearing the NWO inspired Dynasty Warzone hat. 
kind of a flat bill. It almost makes him look like a young ice cube. But you can get hats like that. You can get the, if you're watching live on YouTube, you'll see the Air Force inspired DWZ logo. All of that is brought to you by our boy, Matty Big Chest, our graphics guru, as well as you can find his TJ Hawkinson, aka Hawkamania, running wild, Aaron Godgers. And all those shirts are available at Viridian Global. So head over there, check them out. That's V-E-R-I-D-I-A-N, viridianglobal.com. And you can check out our sweatshirts, our hats, our T-shirts, and everything else, as well as stuff from podcasts like the Dynasty Happy Hour and the Goat District. So head over there to Viridian Global. Check them out today and thank them for sponsoring the show. So there we go. I gave Jerry and Mark a quick break while I did that commercial read. And we're going to get into probably, I don't know, I'll, I'll let I'll let Mark answer this question. We're going to talk about Trey Lance. He's a uh, quarterback out of North Dakota State. Uh, a real hot name coming into the season. Had his season cut short to basically one game due to COVID. But uh, who is Trey Lance and what does he do well? What's interesting about Lance is obviously when you say North Dakota State, people immediately start to think Carson Wentz. and He's a different player. Um, Wentz is more of your traditional pocket quarterback that has some mobility. Uh, Lance is a much better athlete. Um, ran for a thousand yards in his freshman season, his first year as a starter there. Uh, but he also threw 28 touchdowns, no interceptions. And those are the kind of numbers that are going to get people interested. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see the evolution of the draft and, you know, college scouting. I mean, I remember, after Wentz's junior year at North Dakota State, there are only a handful of degenerates on Twitter talking about Carson Wentz as an NFL draft prospect, you know, that summer before his senior year. This year, though, the NFL draft ends and Mel Kuyper Jr. is saying Trey Lance is one of the best players in the college camp. I mean, that's how far, like, things have come in terms of scouting and looking at Division One, AA, Division Two, Division Three. You know, if you're a good player, people are going to find you and talk about you, and that's certainly Trey Lance. Athletic arm talent. Um, he will be a bit limited for a couple of reasons. One, the offense is very quarterback friendly. Um, it, it's very similar to Kyle Shanahan's offense with a lot of under center play action, stuff schemed open, thrown out of 12 and 21 personnel. So you're thrown against base defenses. And so while that helps him in terms of a, a potential scheme fit, you know, it has made it a little easier for him. And the other thing is the level of competition question. And I, I think there are two ways to look at that. You know, the, the one way that the people obviously, you, you know, traditionally look at it is he's thrown against guys that are going to be bankers and lawyers and, you know, that aren't going to be playing on Sundays. And the other way that I remind people of is that might be true, but he's also going up against defensive coordinators that their job is to confuse him week in and week out, game in and game out, drive in and drive out. And some have struggled to do that. Um, so there are obviously two sides of that coin. But he's certainly intriguing. It's unfortunate that his season was cut short. It's unfortunate that he had the one showcase game and he did struggle a bit. Um, but I do think that there's certainly potential. And I think that there are some landing spots that would make a lot of sense for him, you know, depending on how rosters shake out. Um, but if you're looking for somebody to perhaps start week one, probably not the name at the top of your list. What What do you think – I mean, you talked about the competition. You talked about struggling in the the Central Arkansas game, which he did. I mean, he did extremely well running the ball, which is what he does. It, what is it about his game, the specifics? Something that Mark Schofield can talk about that when he watched the film, he sees that he just 
it's something that you just don't love. You know, I, I think what's interesting watching him at times, Jerry, is I always get excited when I see a quarterback in college getting asked to attack the middle of the field between the numbers, between the hash marks, and doing it well. Because, you know, that's something that you're going to have to do in the NFL. You know, if, if you're simply throwing routes outside the numbers and deep shots down the field, whether, you know, if you're throwing deep post routes 60 yards down the field, I don't really count that. I'm talking about can you throw the dig at 15 yards between the linebackers? Can you throw the dig, you know, behind the linebackers in front of the safety? Can you sort of layer in those throws? That's something you're going to be asked to do because if all you, or if all you can really do is outside the numbers and deep over the top, teams will figure that out. Um, I haven't seen a ton of that from him. A lot of his stuff is more scheme to the outside, yeah, up the seams, but really not layered throws in the middle of the field. Um, but I will qualify that with that was a huge question I had about Justin Herbert. And we saw he was able to do it this year. You know, he was able to layer in some of those throws. And so it, it's not something where I'm like putting the pen down. He's not ever going to figure it out. But it's one of those things that I would say is an incomplete right now. I'm not sure if he can do it. I think he could, but it's part of the reason that I'd be much more hesitant to rush him out onto a field next Sunday, you know, next year on a week one, say, look, kid, you're now the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Go get him, you know, slap him on the butt, run him out there. Like I'm not ready to do that with him as I am with some of the other guys in this class. And so, you know, I think patience, you know, we talked about it just generally with Josh Allen, patience in terms of trade Lance, unless he lands in the absolute ideal spot, is going to be warranted if you're going to be taking a pick on him early. Well, you, you mentioned too, including my favorite Carolina. So, uh, would that be a good schematic fit for him? And do, do you, how about this? I'll, I'll just, or we'll adjust the question a little bit. Do you see him in any way making it past San Francisco at 12? No, I don't see him getting past San Francisco at 12 because that's the one offense where I'd be like, if he started week one, I'm okay with it. You know, because I think, and I said this last summer, um, when Waldman and I did a video on Lance, I said, look, you could drop him in San Francisco right now, and he's probably one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback on that roster. Because that is the offense that he's kind of running right now at North Dakota State. I'm pretty sure he could pick up a Kyle Shanahan playbook. I mean, they're out there on Twitter. You can find them and be like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, we call this play Puma or we call this play drive. Like, yeah, I, I know all this stuff. Um, so if he, I don't, I can't see him getting past San Francisco. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan would absolutely love this kid. Um, and if he does end up in San Francisco, I think that's ideal. Um, Carolina is interested. It depends. If Joe Brady is still their offensive coordinator, Brady is going to find ways to make it work with him. And so I think that would be okay. Um, you know, but, you know, I, an ideal situation might be San Francisco. Um, could be Atlanta if they decide, you know, we'll keep Matt Ryan here. You can learn from Matt Ryan. But we don't want to be picking fourth again. Since we're picking fourth now, we're going to take advantage of and get a quarterback um, because Atlanta's roster, you know, they've got decent cap space. They can make some moves. Um, there might be an opportunity for them to draft their quarterback but still run it back on Matt Ryan. With Carolina, if they decide, look, you've got Bridgewater as that bridge guy now, you know, you give him a bit of a learning curve. You know, but some other environments, like I wouldn't want to see him in New York with the Jets. You know, I think that would be a bad setting. Um, I don't know what happens in Denver with Drew Locke. Now with Elway getting bumped up. A lot of people thought that Elway was the guy that loved Locke, and now you might have a different decision-maker. I'm not so sure about the fit there in Denver with that offense, but it's intriguing. Another one I'll mention would be Minnesota. I'm not sure if he would get to the Vikings, um, but he would be able to run that offense and run it pretty well. 
Well, I agree with you. He he would be the kind of guy that if he got the Patrick Mahomes redshirt year in year one, it would not break my heart to see him. You know, as as much as we've heard some noise coming out of San Francisco over the weekend that they're not exactly enthusiastic about Jimmy G, it wouldn't be the worst thing to have him potentially sit behind Jimmy G, or they could draft Trey Lance and trade Jimmy G to another quarterback needy team. A lot of which way do you go with this one? Let's go to another guy who I was kind of surprised was a Heisman finalist. I, I, I thought maybe there would have been some other candidates, but Kyle Trask, quarterback out of Florida. I think he's the oldest of the guys that we're talking about tonight. Who is Kyle Trask and what does Kyle do well? Well, I think, you know, Trask is another guy similar to Jones. We saw a lot of production. Um, but I also think one of the things that Trask does fairly well, and I do think I mentioned this earlier, it's kind of a prerequisite for quarterbacks, I think is sort of just reading leverage and throwing against it. You know, he's got pretty good ball placement skills, but that ability – not so much, you know, guys like me, we get excited when, oh, he totally saw the safety rotation. He saw them spin it from cover three to cover four. This is great. We get all excited. We do videos about it on Twitter. We pat ourselves on the back. It doesn't matter. What matters, if the guy can see the nearest defender and throw the football away from that defender and into a spot where his guy can catch it, that ability to diagnose and throw against leverage. And Trask does that very well. You know, I think there will be questions about athleticism for him because he's not as athletic as these other guys. And I think there will be questions if you watched his bowl game about the arm. He had some opposite field hash throws that one was a pick six early. Um, Well, you start to wonder, okay, is the arm, you know, he doesn't have to have a howitzer, but is it even NFL ready? And I think there are some questions that are going to be answered about that as people start to go back through his film. So he's the one, look, you know, I'd be surprised if he made it into the first round. I think he's more a – you know, we didn't get the guy we wanted in the first round, you know, if we were thinking about a quarterback, but this guy's on the board for us here in the second, you know, say Denver, for example, they don't want to go back in on a quarterback in the first, but maybe they think, you know, we need a Drew Locke sort of backup plan or another team like might need a Daniel Jones backup plan. Or if you're a team like Detroit and you want to go Devonta Smith at six, which everybody's pretty much written down in Sharpie, but you want that Matt Stafford futures, you know, backstop, you know, that might be a good landing spot there. And you can let this guy develop a little bit. So he's intriguing. I understand why there's some buzz around him. I get why he was a Heisman finalist because of the production. Um, But I do think that there might be some limitations to his game that you don't see with these other guys. Well, you're going to have to expand on the limitations then, my friend. Yeah. I mean, the the main one I do think is is the arm and the athleticism. Like those are the two, I think. Like he can... You like I said, you don't have to be Lamar Jackson. You don't have to be Josh Allen. You know, you don't have to be Kyler Murray to be an effective NFL quarterback in today's game. But you have to at least be Tom Brady in that ability to sort of feel and move with your feet and create space. And Trask, I've seen flashes of it, but not to a consistent enough basis where I'm like, look, he'll be okay. You know, because I, I think back to Josh Rosen. A lot of people said, look, Josh Rosen isn't athletic enough. And I said, well, no, he's got the, the pocket footwork. He could be a, a Brady type guy. Well, there's only one Tom Brady, you know? And, and so if you're like counting on the guy to have the pocket presence of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, like you're really sort of setting yourself up to thread a pretty, pretty small needle here. And so, you know, that I think was probably the biggest, like not saying it can't happen, um, but it's probably the biggest question mark I've got. 
All right, and, and you've mentioned a few, but where where do you think he winds up and what scheme fits him the best? Uh, I'm looking at a mock draft right now that has him going to a, a team we've talked about a lot, going 43rd overall to the 49ers. How would that fit be, or would there be a better fit and a better scheme in, in your yeah, mind? I mean, I, I, look, I, I think the 49ers are a very quarterback-friendly scheme, and so all the guys we talk about I think will fit in that offense. Um, because it's very sort of quarterback friendly and it puts you on solid footed. It gives you some defined reads and throws, you know, on an, an offense that I think might be an interesting fit for him would be Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, obviously with Ryan Tannehill, um, you look at, it's sort of that similar stuff where they do a lot of stuff off of play action, a lot of sort of defined one to two reads on a given play. Um, I think that would be an environment where Kyle Trask could be brought along slowly. Um, obviously, you don't have to play right away because you've got Ryan Tannehill. But if you get an injury, if you get sort of a question mark about you know Tannehill going forward, if you know, he starts to slip a little bit, you've now got a chance to develop a guy behind him. Um, their backup situation is a bit spotty. Um, so I think that would be an offense that, in a similar vein to the San Francisco offense, helps the quarterback a bit, minimizes what he's asked to do early on, and puts him in a position to be successful. All right. I love it. Been all great answers so far. I'm going to take you to uh, every year. It feels like there's a quarterback who goes on a meteoric rise who maybe the, the casual pro football fan dynasty gamer out there who doesn't spend a lot of time watching college, i.e. me. Um, you didn't maybe even know the name Zach Wilson nine months ago, but here we are. All of a sudden he's in conversation with. Justin Fields as the QB2 in this class. So Zach Wilson uh, from BYU, who is he and what does he do well? He's the uh, the Mormon Mahomes, right? That's the nickname that people have started to use. And, you know, you sort of mentioned that meteoric rise. There were people that, you know, knew who he was, knew of him, knew him as their starting quarterback at BYU. But you didn't see this coming, you know. And, and part of it might have been, look, you know, this was a strange college football season. He got a lot of showcase type of games, a lot of island type of games when he was playing, other teams weren't. But he put up some incredible numbers, and two things really jump out at you the arm and the athleticism. Um, and there's a reason why people brought that Mormon Mahomes nickname out is because you see him making similar throws, just ridiculous downfield shot plays inside the pocket, outside of the pocket, on the move, splash type of throws that w- when you see Patrick Mahomes make, you know, they lead Sports Center. You know, they're on, you know, the front page of everybody's website because it's like, wow, this is crazy. Well, that's what Zach Wilson is doing right now. So he has the arm, he has the athleticism. And like we were talking about earlier, when you see a guy like Josh Allen have that kind of success, and when you see another college kid coming out from a smaller school, but has the raw traits, the talent that you just can't teach, you can coach up some of the other stuff, it's going to get guys jobs. It's going to get, scouts to go back and say, look, did we miss something on this kid? Do we, should we grade him out higher? And so those are the boxes that he checks and they're pretty big boxes to check. And Zach Wilson's another dude that was like Mac Jones. I can't look at the box scores for any of the games and see something that just stands out. There's, there's no, no red flags. What is it about his game? What is it about the mechanics that maybe has him not on the I, I'm not sure where you have them ranked, but not on the Trevor Lawrence level. We'll just say that. Yeah, and look, I, I, do, I do think it's Lawrence and then these other two guys. You know, it might be a 1A, 1B, 1C scenario more than 1, 2, 3. And I, I think that's fair because both of these – all three of these guys I think are going top five. 
you know, with, with Wilson, it's a couple of things. It's, is, is this a one year flash in the pan kind of thing? You know, cause we've seen that before where, you know, Dwayne Haskins, you know, it's like, wow. Or Cardale Jones. It's like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Um, and then it just never really materializes. Um, now I do think with, with Wilson, those elite traits, his arm and his athleticism are two heck of, you know, two incredible trump cards to have, you know, that are going to help him. Whereas Jones, Haskins, those are battleship type guys, you know, you can envision him getting dropped into an offense that looks similar to Baltimore's where you use his athleticism, you get him on the move a little bit, and you can win games and play him right away. And then he can fill in the blanks around him. And so, you know, I, I think if there are real concerns about Wilson, it's from a mechanics and ball placement standpoint. Um, sometimes it throws downfield, particularly outside the numbers and deeper. You know, they aren't always on point. You get bailed out. A lot of those splash type throws that you saw on your Twitter timeline, he had guys on the other end making great catches. Um, but that's like a minor thing. I mean, that's extremely nitpicky. Like the mechanics, they're not teaching tape. I'm not going to, you know, put in front, put his film in front of a group of high school kids that want to be quarterbacks in college and say, this is how you throw a football. You know, if I wanted to do that, I'd take Brad Kaya's film at Miami. Brad Kaya had tremendous mechanics. What's Brad Kaya doing right now? You know, so mechanics don't matter until they matter. If you're missing throws because the mechanics are bad, then it's an issue. He's not, they're not, it's okay. Like I'm not going to lose sleep over it. for some sort of older schooled, you know, evaluators that might say, no, you want the mechanics to be better. Are there things to clean up? Yeah, sure. I mean, they were the same for Josh Allen, but you know, I, I think those are real minor nitpicky things. I think there's a reason to be excited about him. I'm very curious. I just saw that he signed with his coaches and an agency. Like I, I'm very excited to see his process. Um, but I think there's, legitimate reason to be excited about this kid. If you're, say, a Jets fan, a Falcons fan, a fan of a quarterback te- needy team in the draft, I don't think this is a flash-in-the-pan scenario at all. Well, I'm a big fan. My one personal concern is that he's listed at 6'3", 210. But when I watch him from a very – this is why I rely on guys like Mark. Mark's doing the quarterbacks for us. We've had Nick Whalen. We've had Ray GQ come in and, and cover some p- position groups for me. But when I see him just watching his videos – he seems very slight to me, like 210 pounds. I'm like, I'm asking myself as a former wrestler, you know, weight with wrestlers always, you know, resonates. And I've never worked at the fair guessing, you know, ages <laughs> and weights, but I'm like 210. Does he have two rocks in his pocket? He looks like a very slight frame. That's my one slight concern with him. Uh, what do you think about that? And then where do you think the best fit for him will be uh, in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I I think the frame is an interesting question because there, you know, when there are times when I would turn on his film, I'm like, is he six one? Like he does look smaller at times on tape. Um, the frame, the height. Um, I I think it might be a situation where it doesn't concern me, but it might sort of make me wonder about how much am I going to involve him outside of the pocket? How much am I going to ask him to be a ball carrier? Is it going to be like a full on? Lamar Jackson kind of offense? Probably not. Like, I'm going to want to pick my spots with it. Um, I want to use his athleticism to be sure because, you know, I think there's a great advantage in today's NFL when you can play 11-on-11 in the run game, when you can make those defenders on that side of the football have to count for the quarterback in their calculus pre-snap as a running threat. It makes you that much more effective as an offense. So I don't want to take that over. I don't want to take it away. Uh, But it is something to think about. In terms of landing spots, I mean – a lot of it, again, 
I keep saying it, but it depends on coaches and who ends up where. But the Jets at two, Atlanta at four even. A lot of people have said Philly might go quarterback. I don't believe it, but I think that would be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, a sort of wild card in that. I don't think he gets past Carolina at eight, but if he does, Denver at nine would make a ton of sense too. Um, I, I, I think, again, he's relatively schematically diverse. I think you know most of these guys are. And so uh, – I don't see him getting out of the top five, um, but if he does, you know, Carolina eight, Denver nine makes sense. Perfect. All right. Well, before we wrap up, the reason why I asked the, the and I had this conversation with a gentleman on Twitter the other day. The reason I, why I bring up the frame question is we've seen some athletic quarterbacks that are big dudes. You know, whatever you think about Carson Wentz and how his game has progressed over the last four years, you you can't change six five two forty. You know, we've seen a prime Cam Newton. You you can't change 6'5", 260. Josh Allen's like 6'5", 250. So to see a guy who's listed as 210, as athletic as he is, and as fast and as big as the NFL game is, that that was my one concern. But, Mark, thank you for taking your time. I know we're just getting started with the rookie process, uh, but we really wanted some elite talent evaluators. So thank you for jumping on with us. What's going on at Touchdown Wire? What's going on with you as uh, we're just starting to kick off this this whole draft process? Well, guys, thanks so much for having me. It was a blast to be back with you guys. Um, Touchdown Wire, Doug Ferrar and I are doing some obviously some playoff coverage. I'm covering all the AFC games. Doug's doing the NFC games. Uh, draft process is going to be a little bit different this year. Um, won't be down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Probably not going to be headed out to the Combine, unfortunately. But, you know, we'll still be covering it um, from wire to wire over a touchdown wire. Um, we're, we're, Doug and I have already been talking about divvying up position rankings. I'll be obviously doing quarterbacks and wide receivers again. Um, I know I'm known as a quarterback guy, um, but I will say, look, I was banning the table for Justin Jefferson last draft cycle. A lot of people said, look, he's just a slot receiver. I tried to dissuade people of that. And, yeah, I'm taking a little bit of a victory lap because, look, nobody's going to take him for you. you know? him. Nobody's going to take him Mark. lap for you. And as somebody that missed on Josh Rosen, as somebody that missed on Josh Allen, like you take the wins when you can get them, guys. But, um, yeah, on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. But, guys, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for having me. Yep, I got two quick questions for you on the way out. One is from a viewer on Periscope. It's six six fuzz asked, who is your ideal head coach or offensive coordinator for T-Law? So if you could pick one, if you could, so if you were talking to Shad Khan and he said, Mark, who would be the best fit for me to go hire for Trevor Lawrence to get him to be the one one who would you pick? I mean, again, I, I think he's so scheme diverse, but if I'm Jacksonville, um, you know, there are a couple of names that are at the top of my coaching list. Um, Eric B certainly one. Brian Dable is certainly another. Um, you know, I, I think you do want to talk to Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady's concepts in terms of, you know, a blend of air raid West Coast, because that's basically what Sean Payton was running, and that's where Joe Brady sort of cut his teeth. You know, I think those are three names that I want. You know, another guy that I think, and I, I've been sort of beating this drum a little bit, is Pep Hamilton. Um, people talk about the success that Justin Herbert has had this year. I want to talk to Pep Hamilton, who is his quarterback's coach. Um, because you see the development from what he was at Oregon to what he is right now with the Chargers. And I think Pep Hamilton, Pep Hamilton has had a lot to do with that. Pep's also had some experience, you know, to start an organization, you know, the AAF, I mean, excuse me, the XFL. He was the head coach, general manager of that team, built a program there. Um, so I'm going to want to talk to Pep Hamilton. But there's going to be no shortage of people that want that Jacksonville job. When you look at the keys to the Trevor Lawrence kingdom, 
the draft capital they've got. I think they've got six picks in the first 97. The cap space they've got. I mean, we expect it to be a pretty quick turnaround. This could be a playoff team next year, even though they're just finishing, what, 1-15? and And so there are going to be no shortage of people that want that job. Um, but Dable, Biennemi, I think they'd all be great fits. Brady, Pep Hamilton, I think they'd all be great for him. My only fear is that they decide – we're going to go a Robert Sala. We're going to go a Matt Eberfluss, the defensive-minded guy. Um, then I really hope they get the OC higher right. Maybe it's a Pep Hamilton or something like that. But I, I really think he's scheme-diverse, a talented kid. It's hard to see this not going well. But it could. I mean, guys miss all the time. Sure things bust all the time. I'm old enough to remember Todd Marinovich. I mean, I don't see that kind of future, but stranger things have happened. And Pep Hamilton, I remember that name from Andrew Luck's rookie year. He yep. was the OC for Chuck Pagano. That yep. year, all right, we don't need any contacts. We just need a name. Uh, we're calling this the James Robinson question. Give us uh, someone you have already mentioned, any position. Give us the name of a small school guy, wide receiver, running back, court, whatever, to keep an eye on in our rookie drafts come come this May or June. Oh, man, this this is tough. Um Small school guy, man. I mean, the Cincinnati quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Um, I've had a lot of people, um, both you know, beat reporters for teams, people loosely associated with teams, reach out to me privately, say, if you watch the Cincinnati kid, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about the Cincinnati kid. You're going to watch the Cincinnati kid. Um, from what I've seen, I'm excited. Um, I don't think he's a – I think he's more an early day three guy off my brief study, but you probably want to pay attention to this kid. You probably want to watch him yourself because the buzz I'm hearing sort of behind the scenes tells me NFL types are taking notice. That click you heard as Mark said that name was Jerry clicking his ink pen to write that down. We we call those writer downers here at the Dynasty Warzone. But Mark, we're going to let you get out of here. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for hanging out with us and covering QBs per usual. We'll, uh, We'll see about getting you back on again real soon, but uh, we'll also make sure to check you out on Twitter at Mark Schofield and at Touchdown Wire. So thanks for hanging on with us, buddy. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Happy to come back anytime. You got it, man. All right. So on behalf of Mark, Jerry, and myself, I am Memphis. And remember, here at the Dynasty War Zone, we are just here to make the world a better place for fantasy football. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners, my name's Zach Camps. Uh, if I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster, I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. The member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat.